Russell. And, and to be honest, he's the franchise quarterback in name only, let's be frank. Yeah. Oh, well, to be honest, like when you look at the, so it's Tyrod Taylor and David Webb, Davis Webb behind him, like it's not, he is their franchise quarterback. It's just <laughs> not a very exciting franchise. <laughs> Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. Finally, Bailey Zappi has scored a touchdown. The the wait since the draft is finally over and we can crack on into everything that happened in the last week. So hey, we've got uh, Ronan. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's tricks down in Cork? Yeah, it's it's all change here. I've got a, a new arrival coming to the house tomorrow. we got a dog that... It's it's literally been like six days since my fiance said I'm going to try and see about this dog, and uh, now he's coming tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and she's got the same name as fiance. It's like Sarah, so like we have to change. Either you can't call a dog Sarah, so we have to. I don't know. It's like one of the so the other was the dog that was originally advertised is called Emma. So I think they just got this litter and they just gave them all human names for reasons that. Cannot understand. Like, you have to do like yeah. a Kira, Kiara thing. It's like Sarah or something like that. You know, <laughs> Zara. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, I still, I still yeah. said I was chatting to you last night. But I think you should uh, just get your fiance to change her name to S Dog. <laughs> <S-dog. laughs> yeah, embrace those like late nineties, early two thousands terrible nicknames that everyone th- got. Th- and... Think how, think how much more romantic your vows will be when you say, "Do you take me, S Dog, to be your lovely wife?" <laughs> Yeah. Everyone, everyone be like, oh, what a beautiful nickname. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so this this may be, uh, this, <laughs> we, may, we might need to get you to invest in a, like a noise-canceling microphone for uh, <laughs> for future <laughs> podcasts now as you'll have a small puppy running around. But uh, no, it should be, should be good fun. Uh, what about yourself, Roland? How's tricks? Uh, nothing too exciting on my end. Uh, mostly this week I've been trying to get the finally... Getting around to closing my Ulster bank account, so uh, yeah, oh. I've been with them since all the way back with Henry Hippo back in the day, uh, but uh, you know they're fucking off now. So uh, opening up a couple bank accounts, moving money around, and uh, should be done hopefully by uh, sometime next week. Very good. Now I'm uh, getting myself ready a bit down for the winter, so I went uh, played 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 uh, a training with the Dublin Wolves on Saturday then. Sunday was out to B and Q to buy rolls of insulation, and uh, this week is going to be clearing out, uh, clearing out the attic, and then trying to lay down some insulation to try and keep those energy bills down. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's the fun grown-up stuff at the moment. And then I've got next week off work, so I'm going to go camping, which uh, might mean I must actually have a look. We might need to figure out what day we're recording next week. I might have to, might have to get the jump on Monday night football. I'm not sure, but uh, we can work that out as we go. Um, I suppose we should swing into all the bits and pieces that are happening around the league this week. Controversy Corner, I suppose, probably has to be where we go first. Uh, The NFL and the NFLPA have agreed to update concussion protocol to include gross motor instability uh, as a reason to pull players following the debacle that has been last Sunday through to this Thursday night. Miami quarterback Tuatunga Vailoa. So he suffered what definitely looked like a concussion last Sunday. I think we mentioned on the previous podcast. Um, He came up from... A, a, a nasty looking hit uh, that needed support from his his teammates as he kind of flailed around and kind of dropped a little bit towards the ground 
he was taken off, put into concussion protocol, passed concussion protocol, and was telling people that it was a back injury and that it was back spasms that had caused that. He wasn't concussed. Uh, then on Thursday night football, he oh sorry, he was then put back into that game last Sunday as well, which was even worse. Uh, he then had a severe concussion on uh, Thursday night football where he suffered fencing syndrome, which is basically when his hands kind of stretched out and did kind of, you know, basically involuntary hand movements. Uh, so yeah, it was it was not uh, it was not exactly a, a winning combination of things for you know player safety. It doesn't look good for the league. The fact that he was allowed back into the previous game, the fact that this happens again afterwards, it's a very bad look overall for the whole Thursday night football, which is obviously a big cash grab given the money that have gone to Amazon for it of late. But you know. <clears throat> This is a player who maybe wouldn't have been quite so badly injured if he had had an actual week's rest in between and stuff. But I think it's probably, in this case, it looks like it's a larger issue than that. Uh, the independent neurologist who assessed Tua has been fired um, after apparently making several mistakes. But, you know, it feels a little bit like the sacrificial lamb, just he's he's being chopped because, yeah, this didn't work out how they wanted it to work out in the media. Their hope was that no one would think twice about this, that nothing would happen on the Thursday and that they'd be able to kind of get away with it. But it does point to a wider issue of, you know, we've, we've talked about it beforehand, players being able to cheat concussion protocols, concussion protocols not being enforced properly, like even, even with independent guys sitting in the crowd, the medical requirements that are now there, like they're not taking this seriously enough. And what happened to Tua, he's now out for at least one, but probably several games. Like, this is exactly the kind of stuff that they're meant to be stopping happening. But, yeah, obviously not fit for systems, not fit for purpose. Yeah, I mean, he could have died is the thing. Like, like the, the I don't know if you guys know Chris Novinsky, who's the former wrestler who's now a concussion expert. He tweeted after the, the Thursday night incident that two concussions in five days can actually kill a person. So, I mean, this is this goes beyond, like, you know, sports to a certain extent to, to, you know, a young man's life was actually put in significant danger because of these protocols. Um, and we all, I mean, we all kind of were a bit suspicious about it. I mean, last week after in the Buffalo game with the, with the quote unquote back injury, but um, yeah, someone should have stopped that. I mean, someone, someone in responsibility, in a position of responsibility, and they're surely between the NFL and the Dolphins uh, and all the various stakeholders, someone had the power and should have been responsible to say this is a very bad idea. And the NFL got really, really lucky that this guy is still alive and presumably will be able to keep playing because, you know, it's this was just, yeah. I mean, many sports have concussion problems. It's a huge, I mean, we're entering into an era of sports where concussion awareness is much greater than it used to be. And I mean, I know from, from soccer, which is the other kind of sport that I'm big familiar with, there's huge issues with how you deal with concussion substitutes or how do you trust independent assessors, et cetera, et cetera. So the NFL isn't alone in this, but given the nature of the NFL in terms of the high impact um, injuries, uh, given that the historical issues with quarterbacks like Steve Young, for example, back in the day, it's, I mean, this is the thing the NFL absolutely has to get right. And this, maybe this will be the high profile moment that gets things to change. But uh, yeah, this is a very scary moment and we're all, Everyone involved is, is very lucky that it wasn't a lot worse than it was. Yeah, and just as well to get into the technicalities about this definition of gross motor instability, it is worth saying that that is already considered one of the criteria under which one can be evaluated for concussion. But what people consider to be no, have been a loophole is that it wasn't considered sufficient by itself to be 
um, a reason to pull a player for precautionary reasons during a game, as we saw during that uh, Buffalo game. And the reasoning there is that, obviously, oh, well, people get injured and hurt all the time, so they might stumble because, obviously, in this case, the claim is because of the back kind of spasmed up or you have a knee injury or whatever. And so, you know, how do you distinguish between, you know, a physical injury and some kind of concussion-type injury? And I think what we're probably going to see here is significant rebalancing that, unless there's very strong evidence... Um, that it was exclusively because you know your knee gave out or something like that. That um, these type of things that we saw in the in the Buffalo game will be concussion. You will enter the concussion protocol and you will have to prove uh, that sufficiently. And uh, based on the current concussion protocol, there's no way he would have played in Thursday night football. If it was a week later, there would be a slim chance, but definitely not on TNF. Um, so there, there's some negotiation to happen because obviously. Um, like the the NFL and the NFLPA don't want to have a situation where players are being pulled for any given reason, but maybe that's what they should be doing. What we saw on Sunday was a large number of quarterbacks, including Brian Hoyer and Tyrod Taylor, being pulled in circumstances which maybe in different weeks they wouldn't have been pulled on. And you know, if we're talking about the long-term health of these players, people who are sacrificing so much of their body and and mind already uh, without going into the kind of CTE and the other severe consequences they have for the rest of their lives because we don't control um, concussions. And to be honest, even concussions are only the, the top of a more bigger problem in terms of these kind of subconcussive effects on the brain, uh, which is a more existential problem for the NFL overall as uh, parents continue to, you know, take their children out of these type of things when they, if they can. Um, you know, this is just really, really difficult. And yeah, like when you see something as horrifying as the fencing syndrome you saw with Tua in prime time, um, that's going to get the kind of attention that perhaps should have been there all along. Like we saw a similar type of a scenario with Donald Parham, the tight end for the Chargers last year. You know, it, it didn't seem to have an effect here, but given how egregious this was um, and how it was kind of downplayed by, especially by the, the Miami coaching. Like I know Mike McDaniel's a rookie head coach and all that, but, you know, talking about on the plane back, we were watching uh, some Gruber, like a comedy film and Tua seemed yeah. fine. Like just, you know, you got to read the room. You got to, you got like, he'll learn from that hopefully. Um, but, you know, it's just what it is. But, like, for now, I suppose, practically speaking, uh, just to mention, I suppose, like, he's definitely going to miss week five. That's already been confirmed. Uh, Tilly Bridgewater will obviously fill in for a long, so he needs to take off. And, yeah, I think, you know, hopefully, I, I agree with Sean um, that if this is a more serious approach to this problem, then I think it's all the better uh, in the long run for this sport. Yeah. It's, uh, not 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 a great look for them and i think on top of it like some people were saying that following concussions like you're not meant to be watching things on screens and everything as well that it was just like there was nothing really done correctly here at all um but yeah we'll we'll, we'll follow this as, as it develops obviously um speaking of concussions we'll move on to injuries uh it's a it's a bit of a grim week in the news response um so we have kind of big kind of season ending or or, or, or large-scale injuries denver have a couple um <clears throat> Fitz's favourite running back, Javante Williams, has torn his ACL. And uh, in them finding the torn ACL, they also discovered injuries to his LCL as well uh, that they believe were pre-existing. So he's gone for the season. They've also lost edge rusher Randy Gregory with a knee injury. And now he's gone on IR, so it's a minimum of four weeks, but we're not certain exactly what the that the uh, number of weeks will be on that. Uh, they've signed Latavius Murray, who was put back onto the Saints practice squad after being active for one week. Um, obviously, because with Javante Williams gone, they've now got uh, a bit of... Well, look, they've, 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 they've got some people. They've got Gordon there in, in the running back, but he is now 
very injury, sorry, not injury prone, very fumble prone at the moment. And I think essentially if they had more running backs, he'd be in the doghouse, but they don't. So he's going to get playing time. But it's a lot of, a lot of kind of moving pieces for a Denver team that's yet to start clicking on offense. And Minnesota safety, Louis Cine has uh, got a compound leg fracture and he's gone for the season. Um, so yeah, look, this is for, for Denver, like... It's a difficult one. Javante Williams is looking well. Like they're having to sign additional running backs to try and find people because they're not happy with the rest of their running back room. Um, this is a problem for an, like as I mentioned, there an offense that's not really been able to get off the ground yet. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's the the Broncos' season as we've seen as we've seen it hasn't really got going yet, and a lot of that is the fact that the offense isn't clicking and. The running backs were kind of the, the one part of that that was working. So it's like, yeah, I, it, you know, given where the Broncos are in terms of the record and in terms of the the competitiveness of their division, they're in a lot of trouble, I think, in terms of getting things going. Um, and, I mean, it's, yeah, good old sign Latavius Murray, which seems to be the, the, the standard, let's sign some random veteran kind of thing. It always seems to be Latavius Murray. He's, he's you know, he's going to contribute, but he's not going to be groundbreaking. And it just means they really need to get Russell Wilson cooking or else they're, they're going to be in a lot of trouble uh, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I think Randy Gregory, that is a, a major, he was obviously a big free agent pickup for them on the defensive line. Their defense, at the very least, has not been a weakness for them, and in some weeks has been a strength in why they um, have any wins at all. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on, whether the defense takes a major step back. But like, look, Javante Williams is a is a you know really promising run running back, and yeah, Melvin Gordon has definitely had issues, so... Uh, yeah, we'll see if they could do anything to make us actually interested in watching them again. Yeah. Uh, it's a oh, quarter, just, of, quarter, of a mil, quarter of a billion dollars well spent. And just to say, in Lewis scene, like, that the injury was quite horrific, and if the Tua situation hadn't occurred, I assume it would probably have been much more highlighted uh, as was part mm. of the London game. But, yeah, I think the big thing for him is we're hoping that he can uh, make a full recovery and, and play next year. But, uh, yeah, obviously the kind of injury that uh, could have a severe effect on the rest of his career. So we, we hope the best for him. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other injuries around the way. So uh, New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones has injured his ankle. He's day-to-day. Tyrod Taylor got a concussion. He's week-to-week, uh, which means quarterback Davis Webb might start if they both miss time. It's quite a tight turnaround with a London game of coming i was confused about this and i would hazard a guess this game is probably in the dump off so uh i'll, I'll just bring it up here if daniel jones was too injured to play quarterback what the fuck <laughs> was he doing on the field being a decoy wide receiver while they played wildcat with saquon barkley they, they are literally down to like the the brass tacks at the wide receiver position like they were actually playing kenny Galladay. i thought that gives you an idea how bad things were um so i think it was literally like they may be running out of players to play at the skill positions at the moment but like uh, if, if he's if he's injured enough to not be able to go in and play quarterback surely put your long snapper there put your yeah. punter there like put 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 safety anyone. or any like literally uh, anybody is better than I, your I, franchise quarterback yeah. I think initially, like, I think that's what they did initially, Adanga, but I think they got rid of him quite quickly after that, so perhaps it was supposed to be kind of some kind of fake, kind of, like, fake-out type of thing. It didn't work at all, really, but, uh, like, yeah, the logic, it, like, this, it's obviously a stupid decision, but I assume that was kind of what they were going for, like, oh, the QB's out there, maybe he's going to play, maybe the control, and then it's like, no, Saquon's taking the ball to Wildcat, so it's yeah. dumb, but, uh, you know, I could see, the, and, and to be honest, he's the franchise quarterback in name only, let's be frank. Yeah, oh, well, to be honest, like, when you look at the, so it's Tyrod Taylor and David Webb, Davis Webb behind him, like, it's not, he is their franchise quarterback, it's just <laughs> not a very exciting franchise. Um, more, she's more quarterback uh 
stuff. So New England already down their starting quarterback. Brian Hoyer gets a concussion is now week to week. Tight end John O'Smith injures his ankle is week to week. So uh, rookie, as I mentioned at the top of the show, quarterback Bailey Zappi uh, got to have a have a crack at it and uh, we'll probably get to have a go next week uh, provided like to be honest like barring Mac returning very quickly um, it's interesting to see New England effectively in like the inverse of the situation it was for years that like you know they used to they, they had such stability for for 20 years uh, at the quarterback position and now it's just like oh yeah the rookie's gone the backup's gone so now we're or, sorry the second year guy's gone now the backup's gone so I guess we'll try out this this is rookie um were you impressed Sean like we'll talk about the game later but like yeah I mean I'm actually I think he's happy looked fine I mean he looks I mean, the, 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 and I'll talk about this in the game a bit more. The Pats' offense is set up around the run game at the moment. The quarterback isn't really asking you an awful lot of things. And I think they're just going to lean heavier and heavier on that, as they did in the Green Bay game. I mean, Brian Hoyer is no big loss. Let's let's be perfectly honest here. Um, I mean, Mac Jones is, is is reliable. And but once you're once you're once you lose Mac Jones, the the Pats it doesn't really matter who's a quarterback. To be honest with you, I mean, Zappy had, had he had a nice throw and he looked he looked somewhat competent and I think the system will protect him um, and also with John o. Smith who's really had a non-impact this season it's not gonna make a huge difference either um, yeah the, with the Pats it does seem to be just the system at the moment matters a lot more than the players in it um, and so it's not a big loss after this week it's the first time that the Pats have been in sole possession of the bottom of their division after week four uh, since the 2000 season that is you all know what happened that season yeah, yeah, no, it was season after. Sorry, season after. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, um, yeah, you know, I mean, an unknown quarterback who suddenly gets thrown into the limelight because the the star is is injured. Yeah, it's a it's a good storyline for the Pats. Uh, yeah. so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> uh, Indianapolis, who are already not looking the best, have uh, Jonathan Taylor's done his ankle. And he's day to day. They're hoping he'll be in, but they're not sure. Uh, Shaquille Leonard, the linebacker, has a concussion in his day to day. They're on Thursday night football, so I imagine there's an increased chance of them missing games. Uh, more so given the controversy over the fact that Tua didn't miss the Thursday night football game. That they might, particularly for the Leonard injury be keeping a closer eye on that um but again this is a indianapolis team that is not doing great and like status even taylor for all the for all the the hype he is and he is very good he has been held relatively in check versus where he has been in previous years um speaking of surprise running backs corderell patterson who's still on that weird early 30s revival as a running back thing has uh, injured his knee he's now an injured reserve so he's gone for a minimum of four weeks that'll obviously hurt atlanta they've got the rookie and uh allegri and someone else kind of battling it out for trying to get the 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 RB1 spot and Tennessee first round pick Traylon Burks the wide receiver has turf toe so he'll be gone from one to four weeks turf toe sounds silly apparently it's quite painful and varies wildly from person to person so it's very hard to talk too much about it but yeah so these are Cordell Patterson has been a part of that Atlanta offense but the Atlanta offense is very confusing and somehow working um, even though none of us can understand it and Tennessee I'm not sure if they'd really managed to get Traylon Burks all that engaged up to this point had they yeah he's been up and down uh but i think obviously for a, a wide receiver room that wasn't particularly deep to begin with that it's not great to lose your first round yeah uh, rookie regardless of how he's doing so far you do oh, you know we've seen rookies kind of grow into the game as they're gone and this just means time off the field and likely even when he's back on the field this will have an effect on his production so a lot more reliance on robert woods or uh, 
uh, Nick Westbrook-Akine to kind of fill in the gaps there. And Cordell Patterson, like, look, he's been a great story. He was particularly effective last year in his uh, Atlanta renewal. But, yeah, you might see more kind of traditional run game with Allegier and Huntley, um, who, to be fair, had a entire drive of just running the ball and scored a touchdown against Cleveland this week. So, hey, maybe that's the future of this crazy, crazy Atlanta offense going forward. Yeah, no. and uh, poor one out obviously for Mitch Titties who has lost his starting job to uh, another uh, rookie quarterback who got a shot this week. We'll talk about it more in the game, but uh, yeah, Pittsburgh have decided to move on as I think we've been calling for for all the first three weeks of this season. Uh, it's now happened. Uh, he is yet to throw an interception. He has thrown... Uh, is it no 11? incompletion. He's thrown three interceptions. Oh, yeah. He's thrown, no, 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 no incompletions. But every like every every pass been completed. Just three of them were completed to the other team. That's all. Um, but yeah, the very exciting times. Uh, I suppose we'll move over and we'll have a chat about the games from uh, from the week just gone. So first up, I suppose it has to be Buffalo at Baltimore. Big battle for the. She's all the bees there. Big battle for the the AFC kind of leads here Allen went for 213 yards a touchdown and interception plus he got about 70 on the ground with another touchdown they didn't really look great to start it really looked like Baltimore had their number I think they were down 20 to 3 at one point um but Baltimore my god Baltimore this team cannot hold a lead against any kind of AFC challenger at all um yeah so like Lamar was up 114, had touched down two interceptions and 40, uh, sorry, 73 rushing yards. They had no points in the second half at all, which was shocking. So they were they were piling on the first half. Bills came out and adjusted. Baltimore hadn't. Um, like it was, um, I would say mixed performance because look, it's great that the Buffalo came back and were able to to get back into the game, but it still wasn't a hugely impressive performance for them. The D, like it was just. It was messy. Neither of these teams looked dominant in this. Uh, obviously, Buffalo come out the better for it, not just for the win, but for having the fortitude to be able to push through and, and find their way. But, like, I don't know. Both both looked very shaky to me. For what was meant to be the kind of, you know, the top end of this AFC talent kind of going at each other. And we've got, you know, I think outside of Jalen Hurts, the two other contenders early season for MVP. And... Like neither of them impressed in this game, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it no, I mean you can. I I think the easiest way to talk about this is to is to talk about you know what re- is required of championship teams. I think what we got in this game was is a an example of perhaps why the Ravens aren't going to win anything this year, in that they don't have this ability to close out games against AFC rivals. They they seem to once they there would seem to be momentum team, once they have the momentum, they they look really good and then when it doesn't it falls apart. I mean I think in terms of quarterbacks, I think Lamar Jackson had a re looked really good the first half. He looked kind of doing that Lamar MVP unstoppable thing, but then it just kind of fell away in the second half. He's kind of been expanding his throwing, the, the kind of throws he's been trying to make this season and kind of bring in the passing game into his game a bit more. And there were a couple of risky throws here, and eventually he just started to get pick up, picked off on them, and that was the momentum killed, and that was them, them done. But, I mean, this is the second collapse in three weeks from the Ravens. Um, there, There is an argument that they should be 4-0 and right now, that they are at least at a talent level and how they're playing at their peak, that they should be 4-0, but they're not. They're 2-2, two and two, and that's that's an indictment of, of where the Ravens are in terms of that um, in terms of that, uh, in terms of that so, ability going forward. So in that Go case, I've got to ask you then, what like 
do you think it was do you, do you agree or disagree with the call at the tail end to go for it on fourth down or would you have kicked the points there like it was so high, at the, at it was, the, it was 23 yeah. to 20 just just in case anyone didn't see the game 23 to 20 ball no it was 20, 20 20 all oh sorry 20 all at the goal line yeah uh yes yeah, so there was 20 all they were down at the goal line uh baltimore decided to go they're on the two yard line they decided to go for it on fourth down rather than kick the uh extra point uh it was a terrible play call, so like whatever we want to make of that, just more the the general decision. Um, but yeah, they basically throw an interception. The guy starting the twenty five, Buffalo are able to just kind of march down the field instead of letting him through to score. They 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 they, they let them kind of run it down to the one yard line, essentially just run out the clock and kick a chip shot field goal to win. Which obviously, looking at the end of it, you wouldn't do it that way. But do you like the the move to kind of say, right, no, I trust my offense here, or do you think he should have taken the points and made them fight their way back down the field? At the time when I was watching, it was like you should kick the field goal because take the points that are available in a close game and that the timing, the way the NFL timing thing works is that you kind of need to it's what happens happened is that the, the Bills have the ability to, to run the clock down at the, at the other end. So I think you got to get the points to the board. Now, apparently the analytics go the other way. That's what Harbaugh was saying in the interview, that he the analytics say that you should go for it there. Um, and certainly, I mean, if you do have someone with the talent of Lamar Jackson, you should you should probably trust, trust that. But they ultimately, they didn't. They went for kind of a, a pass play that didn't work out rather than, say, you know, him, him in a bootleg or, or something like that. I mean, they didn't have – I mean, the thing is, if you don't have a, a kind of a locked-in, fourth-down goal line play that you're going to pull out that you know is going to work, then you really need to be considering taking the points uh, in that situation. Because the thing is, if they'd kicked that point, if they'd gone three points up and then the 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 bills go to the other end, um, then you're in a situation where you can do what New England tried to do in that Super Bowl against the Giants, which is to let the other team score – uh, to give yourself time to come back. Um, but the problem is because it was a tie game there, when the Bills got down to the goal line and there was like a minute left, it's like, well, you could let them score, but then you'll, you'll be a touchdown down and you have to t- you'll have to score a touchdown to tie the game. So it's like you're, you're kind of in a really crappy situation at that point. So I, I would go for the field goal just from a pure, almost from a psychological point of view of being ahead. Because um, if you get what happened in that situation, you get down to the, the goal line, uh, long drive on a tight game against a against a conference rival, and you don't score. It, it's a real killer in terms of your momentum and and you know your your self confidence. And you could kind of see that it all fell apart. It kind of felt like the Bills had the momentum, then it could kind of walk it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, the field. And I, I mean, you got to give credit to the Bills in terms of. I mean, I talked last week about them being you know this championship thing that they didn't do the small things against the Dolphins, um, that really cost them. Here, I mean. It, it's also championship kind of material. If you get in a hole, but you grind it out, they didn't panic. They went down early. They were like, "We're just gonna. We're not gonna try and explode our way back. We're just gonna work our way back. We're gonna score. Keep the point uh, scoreboard ticking over. Um, defense is gonna step up, and they did it. They they got the as you said, they held the Ravens to no points in the second half. They had a big goal line stand. I mean, Matt Milano was really dominant. I remember a really big goal line tackle on, on second down on that drive. Um, and then Allen, who had a bad start and didn't get going, turned into Josh Allen at the end and got them the win. So I'm a little bit higher on the Bills now because they were able to get out of this crappy start and then pull out a win against a good team. But for the Ravens, I mean, the questions are really going to have to be asked about what this team in terms of the mentality, because you can't, I mean, dropping two bad collapses against team conference rivals in close succession you have to ask a lot of questions about what this team, what they're made of and what they're capable of doing down the stretch. Yeah, yeah like, like, I don't blame them too much on the fourth down thing. I think the analytics 
more or less agree with it. I think they got unlucky that it was intercepted, which meant it became a, you know, Buffalo started from the 20-yard line instead of, like, the two-yard line. So that made a huge difference in terms of, like, the game script available. Um, at that point, obviously, uh, safety or stuff doesn't become possible at that point unless you're, like, the Cardinals or something. So it's definitely a devastating loss for them. But, like, this is, I think, you know, this is a game where... Questions will have to be asked about that defense, but we've already seen that defense give up leads kind of be a bit shot compared to where we'd expect a John Harbaugh defense to be. So, you know, it doesn't really change my opinion too much on that. Um, and like, look, to be fair, like, you know, Lamar had made the fourth down conversion earlier on. I think they are getting the run game going a little bit better. It wasn't like great, but I think with J.K. Dobbins there, at least they have a bit of uh, spice back there. So I think they're not quite in the same awful, like, short down and distance situation they were at the beginning of the season. So I think they're, they, they've got room to grow. And like, look, like Lamar has, you know, grown as a passer significantly. He's a lot better this year. He had the two interceptions here, which is unfortunate, but I think you still see that he's a much better passer than he was um, last year. Um, I do think I would have concerns. Um, like, but to be fair, I think it's a little bit overblown. Like, like one thing to emphasize here is that the weather was actually really bad. This is like a pretty much a, like not quite as bad as the like New England Patriots game last year, but a squall basically. It was raining all the time, difficult conditions, so turnovers are going to be more lateral and more likely in that scenario. As you know, people fumble the ball, as people the, the kind of the football falls out of people's hands when they're throwing it, etc. But I think for me, the big thing for me is like I think, and Sean alluded here. You know, being a championship team, it's not about how you win; it's just that you win, and that's what the good teams do or the great teams do. And I think. Buffalo right now, you know, they didn't lose belief in them when they went down 20 to 3. They got the big touchdown just before the half. I think that reignited the belief that they could get this game done. And while, you know, it wasn't a perfect second half, you could see that despite the incredibly difficult conditions and the fact that the Ravens uh, did do an actual pretty good job of keeping uh, the ball away from the Bills. Like that last drive from the Ravens was nine minutes long. That's a lot of time to be left on the sideline. Um, that they, you know, took the opportunity they had. And, you know, obviously, like the Bills didn't need the touchdown on that final drive um, because uh, the, the, the Ravens failed on the field goal but it's important to say that they did literally get down to the one yard line where they chose to do the smart thing and do the analytics and not go for the touchdown and not give the Ravens any chance to get back into this game uh, with the last few seconds remaining uh, which I think uh, there was a little bit of controversy around the um, OA the uh, Baltimore defender because he tackled the running back in that case yeah. um, saying he was trying to strip the ball but like to be honest like, the running back more or less knew his assignment like, I don't think we're going to have like a uh, uh, like a like a Atlanta Falcons situation from a few years ago, so you know I think he's getting a little bit more blame than he deserves in that situation. Mm. Buffalo knew what they were doing. Well, and Marcus, Mar- 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 Marcus Peters on the sidelines screaming, ready to ready to fight someone, and he's known for his level headedness. So um, <laughs> yeah, we well, don't know that was specifically about that. So, but yeah, well, yeah, no, he, he seemed to definitely be because he wanted to go and argue with the coach about it. Um, next up, we got New England at Green Bay, twenty-four to twenty-seven in overtime. Was not expecting this to need overtime to get it sorted out, particularly given that they dropped to their third quarterback. Green Bay over. Came a spirit in New England as Rodgers went for 250 yards, two touchdowns and interception, uh, even though they had a very slow start, including a terrible pick six at the end of the first half. Um, yeah, the running game looked good for them, but the passing game left a little bit to be desired, we'll say. Uh, the defense, it's really been stepping up of late, but I would have liked to have seen them, like, this is going to sound like a lot, but I would like to have seen them do more against a third string quarterback, which is like, you know, they got a fumble, four sacks, six tackles for a loss, and they held them to about 250 yards. Um Zappi, as we mentioned earlier, had to step in. Uh, He had 99 yards, uh, a TD, a fumble, uh, some issue on the clocks as well. But, like, he was fine. Like, well, 
the argument might be that the, the touchdown uh, was happened several seconds after the actual zeros had gone up on the board for the drive. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, like, I suppose uh, Aaron Rodgers had pointed it out against Tampa Bay. So it all comes back now. The refs are like, don't you be pointing out what we're doing anymore. <laughs> uh, no. So like New England, as you mentioned, Sean, they just went very run heavy here. 152 yards on the ground and a touchdown. But they just weren't really able to do it. Like in overtime, they were sitting at the midfield and uh, they just couldn't, couldn't pull the trigger. And like, you'd imagine a little bit more confidence in the quarterback, a little bit more experience that they would have been able to maybe pull that off. Um, for Green Bay, like I said, it's good to get a win. It's important you pick up those wins. This, I don't know what's going on with this Green Bay team. It would worry me that this is what they look like. Their defense is stepping up. Their offense looks all over the fucking shop. And that's not how they've traditionally approached it. Like they've normally had the first game of the season bad. And then they got themselves on. Uh, I don't know. Rodgers looked confused at times in this game. And he rarely has previously. I don't know if it's just, you know, the lot. Like they've got two rookie wide receivers in there. Like they've got a lot of new moving pieces and that. But like like we mentioned before this new england team is just another team this is like you know the 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 15th or 18th best team in the league like it's just an other team it's not like it shouldn't be a big tough thing to overcome and this is a green bay team that shouldn't be struggling against it uh but did mightily and they were at home so like i would be i would have more concerns for green bay than i would for new england after this one like there's kind of two interpretations right like one would be the Green Bay offense doesn't make it. Or it doesn't make as much sense anymore. Aaron Rodgers has maybe passed it with all of the uh, kind of off-field nonsense he's been doing, and that this team just won't be the same like explosive team that it was for the last few years when they were you know leading the NFC. But there's another interpretation which I think is like they're almost having a latter Tom Brady in New England type season where you know everything has changed around Rodgers. The offensive line it's in flux. The wide receivers are all new and don't know what they're doing, and therefore the job of the coaching staff and of Aaron Rodgers is to kick these people into shape so that by the time you get to January and um, that all these guys are now singing from the same aim sheet and are creating trouble for them and you like there was a bunch of scenarios in this game that Rodgers will certainly be pointing out to his uh, compatriots on the offense I believe um, there was a there was a drop by Dobbs at the end of this game that would have closed out the game and won it for Green Bay in, in regulation which I'm sure <laughs> Dobbs will be reminded about and I think there was a, a missed opportunity to get a snap off uh, with 12 men on the field in the New England defense um, where he was was found on my cursing at his center saying snap the fucking ball basically um and that's the kind of communications and efficiency that he expects but you know like we saw tom brady in all those years towards the back end where he was basically had a bunch of nobodies around him and uh, more or less where he had to take on the leadership role and do that and while i have I, I doubt that, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers will be quite as diplomatic as Tom Brady. And Tom Brady's not even that fucking diplomatic, let's be honest. Um, it's something that he will have to do if this season is going to become a, you know, championship competing season for the Green Bay Packers. So I think, like, you look at that pick six at the end at the end of the first half and you're kind of going, OK, this seems to be falling apart. What's going on in Green Bay? But he comes out in the second half. He makes some adjustments. He fixes things and they start putting some points on the board. And, like, I think it's helpful that the running game is working really well. Aaron Jones is having a really good season, over 110 yards in this game. AJ Dillon's a really good compliment there, like going at around five yards a carry in this game and in general. So, and even see a little pop play to Christian Watson in the run game. So, you're seeing some diversity there. And even in the past game, Alan Lazard finally had a breakout game. So, that's positive to see. So, you know. Yes, it doesn't quite make sense, right? But like compared to say a team like Denver, where it's like this just doesn't make any sense altogether. I can see 
the embers of what could be uh, like a truly multifaceted, multi-headed attack, and that's much more difficult to break down and to scheme away than the Devontae Adams show that they had last year. So I think for Green Bay, the defense is solid. Like I think it got beat on the ground here, but I think Green Bay, sorry, New England's run game has been really effective this year, and that would be difficult for anyone to stop. Um, but I think the offense, I, I'm very interested to see um, there. As for New England, I think you said that they, they got their own issues going on, but I think uh, Sean can probably speak more to where they're at right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was another morale-raising defeat kind of thing. Is like they didn't win, but they didn't look as bad as everyone feared they'd be. I mean, the, this the first four games were, I mean, going into the, the season were considered to be the disaster. There, there were fears of them going 0-4. They've gone 1-3, and, and they were competitive in three of those four games. I mean, they didn't look too great in the opener against the Dolphins, but since then they, they've won a game and they've come close to beating good teams in two other ones. And now they're into a stretch season where they're like, basically the next seven games are, are winnable. Um, for the Pats, they've got the Jets twice in that stretch. They've got the Browns. They've got the uh, they've got the the other three in NFC North teams, the Bears, the Lions, the Vikings, and I think it's the Colts. So the, the next seven games, they could win all of them, basically, if they if they get in a run and they, they sort out this quarterback thing. So now they're into the kind of the part. This early part of the season for the Pats was just about figuring out, do we have an offense? What what part of our team works and which parts don't and which parts can we lean on, et cetera. And I think they figured that out, and now they're in the stretch of, if this wants to be a, a playoff team, they're going to have to win an awful lot of the next seven games. Um so I'm I'm vaguely uh, optimistic. I mean, Zappi looks. I mean, he, he looks he looks like Mac Jones in terms of physical appearance, and he plays a little bit. I mean, like him. Um, the the what's good about him is he wasn't blinded by the lights. He wasn't out there making stupid decisions or, or taking risks or anything. He was he was you know just doing what was asked of him. Um, he had one nice throw, I think, to, to was it Devontae Parker? So I can't remember exactly who it was. So, you know, there's, there's signs there that if it does come to him, that they can maybe lean in him a little bit. The, the, the game, the offensive game becomes the running game plus the quarterback occasionally does a thing. And that's basically what they are with Mac Jones anyway, is that the running game plus Mac Jones occasionally does a thing. With Zappi, they'll probably do Zappi does a thing less and running game more, but I, I definitely think it could work. The O-line looks pretty solid except for I mean Isaiah Wynn is struggling a little bit but apart from that it looks quite good Cold Strange is looks like he's a good pick even though it was a controversial one the defense looks solid if not necessarily one of one of the great Belichick uh defenses so it there's the the Pats are there they are as as Connor said they're a middle of the pack team there they're somewhere between the 15 to the 21st best team in the league but they do have one of the great coaches who can elevate that to make them maybe you know make them look like the 12th or 11th best team on their day they've competed now against the packers and the ravens two quite good teams even though they didn't get the the win in the end so i'm optimistic about where where things are going but like you connor i think the packers are the ones that maybe need to worry a little bit more about what's going on uh, even though the running game is working even though it looks like lizard is, is slotting into that role as wr1 and begin to to grow into it and the way even those people like romeo dobbs looks like he could be a a star for them in the future it just doesn't look great on the offensive side and they are reliant on a defense that has up to this game looked quite good didn't look particularly spectacular given what they were facing uh, in this one but uh yeah the packers are a little bit on a knife edge in terms of are they a good team or are they not and a lot of it is just rogers energy pushing them forward and and the running game you know they've got an elite running game so they're the ones if they have championship uh, aspirations there that won't need to worry for the Pats I mean it's it's a 6th or 7th seed they're aiming for and the next 7 games is basically going to decide if they do that or not 
Yeah. Uh, so Zappy, gonna... Zappy needs to get used to taking some snaps under centre. He'd be probably practising a lot of that this week, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. He was, cause he, he, I think he played entirely in the pistol in college or something, wasn't it? Yeah. You get used to getting near to that warm centre butt. Mm. To be honest, yeah, I, I, I do remember the first time like doing proper snaps from under centre. It doesn't take a little bit of time to get used to being like, oh, no, oh, right, I am meant to be tucked right up in there. Okay, fair, fair enough. Good to know. Um, okay, we're going to kick up the speed a little bit as we move down through the next games. New York Jets at Pittsburgh Steelers, 24-20. to Well done, the Jets. Zach Wilson went 277 yards for a touchdown, two interceptions, and he caught a touchdown. Well done. Uh, he grows into the game late with two late touchdowns, and... Basically, this is a Pittsburgh team that wasn't really going anywhere fast. Bitch Trubisky played probably his last game, barring an injury, as the starter here. He was pulled at the half after 84 yards and an interception and just did nothing, really. Uh, and the rookie got to come in, pick it, so... Um he went for like he was fine uh it was definitely more spark than they were getting out of mitch trubisky so he in the half had 135 yards passing two touchdowns that he rushed in so they were using his legs a bit uh three interceptions uh he had very good chemistry with their rookie wide receiver pickens who went for over 100 yards and less so with other people like claypool didn't have a single uh catch there so there's space to grow for both teams on the jet side things started to look a little bit more like how you would like them to look for the Jets. Like they started to get uh, more performance. Brees Hall kind of looked the better of the backs and pushed Carter back into a supporting role. We started to see him kind of making use of the of the of the rookie wide receivers and stuff a bit more. It was uh, there's still mistakes, obviously the interceptions and that, but like it was it was a far better performance than we've seen recently out of this Jets team, right, Sean? Yeah, I mean the Jets are an interesting team in the sense that they're not they're not exactly the most talented team in the world, but they do have spirit. And I mean this is a another fourth quarter comeback against against a, a decent team. They they definitely have this kind of thing. We are fighting for our coach, and we are we are going out there and giving one hundred and ten percent. And I mean for a team like the Jets, who you know have talent deficiencies, that that's I mean they're getting them wins that they wouldn't otherwise um, be getting. Um, I think they played relatively well. I mean they had a bit in the middle where it all kind of fell into a pile of goo, but Zach Wilson, you know, he ended strongly. I mean, I'm not, I'm not convinced he, he is the future for that franchise, but he's, 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 you know, he's grand. He's needs to be a bit more accurate with his throws, but apart from that, he's getting into it. The defense was a lot better than had been. I mean, they had apparently loads of issues with miscommunication. I haven't watched them a lot. This is what I've been reading. They've had a lot of issues with miscommunications in the secondary, which is why they've been giving up loads of touchdowns. And there wasn't any of that really in this game. Um, so much better there, and partly that was who they were facing. But but you know, you, you got to beat who's in front of you. So I mean, the Jets are yeah, they're they're an interesting team, and they're fun to watch in red zone because they do seem to have this never say die attitude that that eg like the Lions had last year, which makes the games always end up being close and fun. And they're probably going to take a few more scalps uh, as the season goes on. In terms of Steelers, I mean, if I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm getting a little bit worried about this fi- uh, you know always finishing above 500 streak that he's been on because this team. Is one and three, and they look like they deserve to be. This looks like a losing team um, to me. The offense, obviously, under under Trubisky was going nowhere. Pickett did improve them in terms of the dynamics, and they looked a little bit more, as you say, a little bit more spark. This is the first time this season that the Steelers' offense has managed to score 20 points in a game, which is, you know, go on to them. Um, but the thing about Pickett is he does seem a little bit boomer bust. Um, I mean, it's odd. I think that this... I think... Pickett was on red zone for five plays. I I, I read and saw him or I spotted him on red zone for five plays 
Uh, two of them were the, the touchdowns he ran in and the other three were the interceptions he threw. Um, and, I, and I wonder if that's going to be that the Steelers season is to, is to deal with this guy who can give you a bit more dynamism, but that the risks, there are risks trading off from that. And the worry for the Steelers is their defense is nowhere near where it was at the start of the season. The, the loss of Watt seems to have killed the momentum a bit. Mika yeah. Fitzpatrick is still doing some nice things, but he's not quite where he, where he was. Cam Hayward is injured, is not quite the kind of stuff that he's doing. So they they seem to have expected that the defense would be the thing that carries his team. And this year, and it's not working for them uh, as much as they should. So I, I would be a little bit worried that this team could end up easily finishing, you know, three or four games below 500 if they don't if they don't get this offense firing they don't find out how to make this picket thing work on on a grand scale then they could have a very very bad season by pittsburgh centers indeed yeah next up minnesota new orleans 28 to 25 the first london game went off with a bang uh closing off with a double doink uh field goal that doesn't go through for lots which means minnesota get to walk away at the win even though they kind of tried to throw away what they had as kind of early dominance with their uh, with their bad red zones. It was uh, not not the most uh, convincing performance out of them, but it made for a good spectacle for those who made the trip over. Uh, Cousins went for 273 yards, a touchdown interception. He was so so kind of the Kirk Cousins that we've we know of previous years, maybe even more so than this year. But he did manage to focus in on Jefferson and remember that he's there and start firing the ball at him again. So Jefferson had nearly 150 yards himself, who constantly beat Lattimore one to one. Dalton, who was in because of the uh, the injury to uh, Jameis Winston, as fine. 236 yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. Spread the ball around a good bit, like they made a bit of use of the running game. It was uh, it was it was a spirited performance, given that they were missing a couple of pieces there. Made for an exciting matchup. Uh, this is. I think closer to the level I was expecting to see both of these teams playing at coming into the season, Ronan. Um, so Minnesota a little bit lower than they had been in recent weeks, and New Orleans actually looking a little bit better. Now, is that just that the consistency worked against this Minnesota team after the traveling and all that kind of stuff? Or would you are, are you are you believing this kind of like maybe that maybe they should stick with Dalton for a bit and remove the the roller coaster ride of Jameis Winston's possible 30 and 30 season yeah I think it's a tough choice right like Jameis Winston has had a couple of games that are pretty bad so far this year and there's been other ones where he's only been solid and like we haven't really seen the explosive upside that you're supposed to get from having Jameis Winston out there and given that he's hurt and we don't know how much the back injury will play with him for the rest of the season, then, you know, the relatively safe and boring Andy Dalton option is fine. Like, we've seen that the system can support backup-level quarterbacks. We see Teddy Bridgewater did well in the system, for example, when uh, Sean Payton was still there. So, assuming that they're still happy that they can more or less replicate what Sean Payton was able to do, then Andy Dalton does, to a certain extent, make a lot of sense. But, obviously, you're getting zero upside. He's obviously a veteran quarterback at this age. So, you know, it's just a question of, like, if you think Jay, if you think Jameis has any upside in terms of being your franchise quarterback, then you kind of want to play him there. But yeah, so I think for for New Orleans, like I think the fact that they made this a close game and they kept hanging around, mostly to be fair, because the Vikings are incapable of just you know when they're the only team playing, actually you know taking game out to the back of the shed and finishing it off. Um, it's just a bit of a situation that I think they're going to have to keep a, an eye on and. You know, I think, you know, we know that this team is a team that, you know, was going to probably rely on its defense this year. I think the defense has perhaps not been at the level that they would like, but the the, the basic idea is probably unchanged. So, interesting times ahead for uh, for New Orleans. I think you could argue for either, but I, cert- I think certainly while 
um, Jameis has any back issues, he's not worth putting out there. He's just a, like a Stone Age pony out there when he's hurt, and he just wasn't capable of carrying this offense. So put out boring Andy Dalton and his veteran grizzled running backs if Alvin Kamara is going to miss any more time. And I suppose more Taysom Hill trick plays, I suppose, if you uh, really want to get out there. I know you're not a fan of those, Connor, but uh, they may be required going forward. I think to be fair, like this was a a game that didn't necessarily start that fast. It was a bit slow to start. The first half was quite messy. Um, a lot of turnovers, a lot of kind of poor play. But in the second half, especially as the game got towards the end, things just kept getting faster and faster and faster. Um, New Orleans took the lead, thanks to a Taysom Hill uh, trick play. Then uh, the Vikings had their touchdown drive, which had a lot of controversial calls uh, by the refs in terms of PI and stuff like that. A lot of them, let's be honest, like particularly the one that Thielen just wasn't PI. Um, it was just like a bullshit call and uh, the New Orleans fans being up in arms with it are perfectly justified but like look Kirk Cousins got bailed out by the refs uh, multiple times and he eventually finished off the drive by scoring uh, like throwing a touchdown to Justin Jefferson and Justin Jefferson would then also show up on the final field goal drive is very important after New Orleans had replied with their own field goal uh, when he had beat the ass of uh, Lattimore in a one a really important one-on-one situation and to be fair like Lattimore was basically taken to the cleaners by Justin Jefferson like I get like Marcus Lattimore is a you know CB1 you're paying him like a CB1 but like we've seen teams shut down Justin Jefferson by respecting him bringing safeties over to him bracketing him and trying to take him out of the game and we know that the rest of the offense like Irv Smith and Thielen like they're good but they're not gonna you know have explosive plays like Jefferson provides you know I get it, there's an ego aspect, but maybe they should have been willing to scheme um, in favour of Lattimore and taking away Justin Jefferson more rather than you know him having to prove a point or whatever. Um, so maybe a schematic problem there from the Saints making that choice, uh, for lack of a better term. So, you know, the, the the Vikings get their final kick, and then, of course, it all came down to, you know, what admittedly was, like, literally a, what, 61-yard uh, field goal attempt by Will Lutz with the double doink uh, off the crossbar, sorry, off the side and then off the crossbar. Yeah. You know, we've seen those go in, obviously, most famously. Um, it was a double doink, but obviously the, the, the Justin Tucker field goal last year. So, you know, New Orleans fans could feel a little bit aggrieved here, but I think on the balance of play, like the Minnesota Vikings outplayed them. Uh, they had a lot more opportunities. They were just very inefficient in the red zone. They just settled for a lot of field goals. Um, so overall, I think Minnesota probably deserved the win, but you know, it wouldn't be Minnesota if you didn't like lose a few games like this every season. No, of course. Next up, the hype bowl, Jacksonville at Philadelphia, 21 to 29. Uh, this was a weird one, Sean. Very bad weather conditions. Philly overcome an early 14 to nothing deficit, uh, getting back up before the half and then kind of pulling away. Then Hertz was effective, 242 yards, a touchdown interception. Sanders going for 156 and two touchdowns on the ground. Trevor Lawrence had some good passes here and there, 174 and two touchdowns. He had an interception. And the big problem was he had four fumbles. Uh, they were just turning the ball over left, right and centre. And that is just not how you're going to be able to win in this type of situation. Um, that said, the Jacksonville defence did very well. They scored a touchdown themselves. They had pressure on uh, Philly the whole time. Like, I don't know what to take. Obviously, again, we all say it's important for them to win. It's good that Philly win this kind of spot. I don't... If the way... If the weather isn't as bad and you don't have four turnovers, I'm not sure Philly win this game the same, at least not the same way as they did. But equally, if the weather's better, they can probably do a little bit more through the air. Now they were they were effective on the ground, like we said, but like I don't know, like this this Jags team 
obviously shot themselves in the foot. I think it was five fumbles total in the game before them were lost. But like, you know, this it, it it their offense didn't do a huge amount in it, but it feels like it wasn't outside the realms of possibility that they could have actually taken this, Sean. Like, if it if if you're not dropping the ball four times, like. You're not you're not doing a wild pile through the air, but your rush game kind of worked. Your defense looked very very strong, but maybe maybe it was just the weather was keeping Philly from kind of really going at them. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's it speaks to where the Jags are right now that they can have this kind of game where they can maybe underperform what they think they're capable of and yet still come quite close to to taking the scalp of a team that is number one in a lot of people's power rankings. Like this Jags team compared to last season is hugely stepped up. And I mean, it, it's, it hurts. I think it obviously going to hurt Trevor Lawrence a bit because he's having, he's finally having the season that, you know, that the hype is beginning to be fulfilled and his career looks like it's taking off. And just when the Jags are in a big game and they need their quarterback to be a big game quarterback, he has his worst game of the season um it's not it's not a great place to be in but it's a learning curve and you get over it and the jags are still in a very weak division i i actually kind of expect that they'll probably win the afc south quite comfortably um looking at this and looking what they're capable of i mean the turnovers were the difference right i mean the ultimate what the consequence of that turnovers were was that the jags offense just didn't get on the field that much they ended up only having 46 plays i think in total on the offense their time possession was kind of half of the Eagles. And that was because their drives kept ending on turnovers. And so they, 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 their offense kept having to come off um, the field. So there is, there is, there's a step up that needs to happen in terms of mentality and, and kind of fighting in the, in the big games and learning how not to make mistakes, even uh, in the rain. Um, but otherwise, I think the Jags are fine. I mean, I think their run defense did go missing a bit. I mean, Miles Sanders had kind of killed them a little bit. And I think they got something close to 200 yards of rushing uh, on the ground so i mean that is something that the jags need to to keep an eye on the eagles i mean they're really they're really making me pay for that um that that preseason prediction that they would crash well not crash and burn but that they would <laughs> under underlive the hype because they're looking good on both sides of the ball i have to say and they're looking good on run and pass and it's all kind of clicking jalen hurts looks a lot better than he did last year i mean it's amazing how much that that quarterback has improved he's got a really good combination going um with aj brown uh, i think it's starting to click um, as I said, their their the run game they got really good. There was no panic whatsoever when they went down fourteen nil. They they were like, let's just they did the Bills thing. Let's let's just kind of you know one play at a time. Let's keep the scoreboard ticking over and we'll get back into this. And then it was almost a non-event that they pulled back the the the, the deficit yeah. quite quickly and got in control. The defense they've got some they got a good aggressive defense. Hassan Reddick had a good game. They're going to knock the Jags offense off their groove and they couldn't get back into it so i mean it, it's it's weird in the sense that both these teams will come away the the eagles will be happy that they won a game that they the, you know that they against a good team and the jags will feel that this game slipped away and neither of them are necessarily wrong both these teams could have won this game uh, and both these teams can feel good about where they are and they're definitely going to be i think two teams to watch um come the back end of the season when things start to get serious yeah and finally on this section seattle at detroit 48 to 45 in a year where 
The statement seems to be defensive are ahead of offenses for the most part, and we'll just see if that rebalances. We finally got a game that said, fuck it, who needs defenses? Uh, says Gino Smith going up and down the field, 369 yards and three touchdowns. Hits nice. DK Metcalf for just shy of 150, Lockett for just shy of 100. The ground game gets going with Penny going for 152 and two touchdowns. This was just an offensive shootout. Detroit, let's keep up with them, just... Stay slightly behind, unfortunately. So uh, golf went 378, four touchdowns and an interception that went for a pick six. Like similarly, they, like they were missing several weapons here. Like big coming out day for T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end, 179 and, and two touchdowns. Williams stepping in for Swift, who's out with a shoulder injury, went for 109 and two touchdowns. Like this was pretty much a crazy all over the shop game going wild. Um, I said I just wanted to talk about it a little bit because like one. This is a lot more offense than we we're expecting out of Seattle, but I think that is a reflection of the fact that Detroit can play offense. Detroit does not understand the most basic concepts of defense. And unless they can figure something out on that side of the ball, there's no way they're going to be able to go anywhere this year. I think they're tied for the top scoring team. Yeah. But they're, they're they're averaging they're averaging 35 points a game on yeah. offense and they're 1 and 3. Yeah, and they're, I think they're averaging 35.3 against, which is just like, it's sickening, isn't it? Um, but like, look, this is, this is a, it's obviously a heartening look for the offense and you can see that they're really starting to get something going there. But like, this is not a Seattle team that you should be this worried about on defense. And like, as much as you can round into form, they haven't rounded that much into form. I like I like Penny. I don't know that he should be gashing your your defense for massive runs because I don't even think he's known for that style of running as much uh, in the second half. Like Gino just tearing it around the the place. It was um it was very rough to watch because the thing I like this Detroit Lions team. I'd like to see them do well and they're exciting to watch. Like I said, they're good for the highlight reels. But um, yeah, unless they can figure something out on defense. They're going to just keep losing these types of games and they're just going to quickly become irrelevant. To paraphrase Dwayne The Rock Johnson, can you smell what Geno Smith is cooking? Because he was cooking up the Detroit defense from end to end for this entire game, not only with his arm. And to be fair, he had a really good game, 369 yards and three touchdowns and totally to say. And DK Metcalf had a huge game finally after having a bit of a breakout last week. To, Tyler Lockett had a big game. You know, those are the kind of yardage totals we expected with, uh, you know, Russell Wilson back at the last few seasons. And then Rashad Penny finally having his breakout, um, you know, in, in this season after actually being really good for the last um, part of last season, including having a breakout game against Detroit last year as well. So the offense was just like absolutely hammering what is, yes, a terrible Detroit defense. When Aaron Glenn, obviously a guy I talked about highly in the past, he has a lot of questions to answer here because we saw last Last year that uh, like Detroit were willing to make changes when the offense wasn't working. It'll be interesting to see whether they believe in Aaron Glenn or whether they consider maybe we have to make changes here sooner around later. Because it's a defense which, yes, is very young, but there's lots of talented players there. Like you have, you obviously picked a you know a guy at the second round pick there. You have a third round pick, Jeff Akuda there. You know you have lots of players there that in theory should mean that. It doesn't have to be a good defense, but it just has to be not absolutely terrible. Because every time they cut to this game in red zone, it's like, it's a Detroit Lions in like third and five or third and 15. Uh, we're going to make a stop. And then uh, 
uh, Rashad Penny goes for like a 40-yard touchdown scamper. And that just kept happening again and again against them. So that's the kind of things that you can't really appreciate. And to be fair, Geno Smith understood this. And that's why he called out of those past games into turn 15. And knew that he would get a 40-something touchdown from Rashad Penny. He knew he's Geno Smith. He's seeing the game at a different level than other quarterbacks out there. On the other hand, like you look at the other... Like, like for Detroit on the offensive side, like look, I think considering they didn't have Amon Ross St. Brown, they didn't have DeAndre Swift, they picked up a bunch of injuries in this game to their secondary wide receivers. You know, the fact that Jared Goff were nearly 400 yards at four touchdowns, albeit he had the one good defensive play in this game because Seattle's defense is also shit. But they did have a pick six here from Tariq Woolen, who does look like a stud potential cornerback there as a rookie. And Kobe Bryant, I think, had a fumble in this game as well. Um, so the, both the rookie quarterbacks coming true. But overall, the Detroit defense was equally able to just destroy the Seattle defense at will. And they were one fumbled uh, onside kick away from having a chance to either tie or win this game at the very end so you know like Hawkinson finally has a breakout game Williams has a good game so I think you know if you're a Detroit fan the offense is working so well there's so much to build on there that the defense just has to take the step up to being mediocre and this is a team that could start winning a lot of games but unfortunately they're one in three right now uh, Green Bay may or may not sort their stuff out Minnesota look pretty good Chicago thankfully are absolutely terrible um, but in the NFC where there's not as many super talented teams like the AFC. I still give them a shot of maybe contending at the bottom of the wild card hunt. And I think if you're a Detroit fan, you'd probably take that right now. But they just got to sort out the defense and stop fucking around. Um, other than that, they're just so much fun to watch and they're so interesting that I think we're all rooting for them to do that. Oh, yeah, big time. And now for all the other games that are happening that are obviously very important, but not important for us to talk about it, uh, we're going to give it over to Fitz and the dump off. Yeah, and as usual, there's kind of stratas to the dump off. You know, we start with the somewhat relevant games that missed the cut and then we go into the absolute dumpsters of uh, trash that exists at the bottom of any given schedule. Uh, so we'll start off with the close games that, you know, we're probably not that interested or fun to watch as the ones we've talked about already. Starting with Cleveland and Atlanta 2023. Atlanta win a fairly sloppy, uh, rush-heavy game because they exploited a couple of early mistakes by Cleveland where they uh, missed a fourth-down conversion and they had a fumble and Atlanta turned that into points, uh, including a touchdown to Cordell Patterson. But I think what was interesting for Atlanta was more the second half where they just turned into a complete run game-focused team. Um, when Cordell Patterson went out and Mariota was just having a terrible game. He had like 142 yards and an interception, Mariota. And they just put in the rookies, Allegier and Huntley, and basically let them run. And they had, as I mentioned earlier, an entire drive of just running the ball that ended in a touchdown. And if you can get that going, um, albeit maybe against better defenses than Cleveland, who, to be fair, were missing a bunch of defensive line talent like uh, Clowney and, and Miles Garrett, then maybe you got something there that could be interesting to see. And this, this offense has already kind of flipped and flopped so much um, recently. And to be fair, Arthur Smith does seem like a very innovative head coach that this is a team to keep an eye on going forward. As for Cleveland, just another... You know, the margins are so tight when you have Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback, despite the fact that Nick Chubb is an absolute superstar this year, 127 yards and touchdown. But Brissett, you know, he's in that kind of, you know, actual what Geno Smith here is, where, yes, he's a trailer, he's effective, he probably won't throw the game away if you control the game clock and control the game script. But when chips are down and you need to like, throw a, you know, have a yeah, game-winning drive, he throws the interception again. And, you know, considering... This is a team that could easily be 4-0. Um, I think they have to be really disappointed they're at 2-2 two two after you know losing to two of, let's be honest, lesser lights in the league with the, in the Atlanta Falcons and the Jets. I'll be in this game for probably excuses with the, the defensive line injuries. 
Next up, Tennessee at Indianapolis, 24-17. This game was barely watchable. Um, initially, Tennessee looked dominant again. They went up to a 24-3 uh, lead thanks to King Henry looking like himself. He had nearly 150 yards and a touchdown this game. And Tannehill saw two touchdowns of his own. But similar to so many games this year, Tennessee just kind of stopped playing football once they got into a lead. Like we saw them lose week one to the Giants units. We've seen them do it in other weeks as well. It's just, it's a bit of a trend and not a great one overall. But like Tennessee at least looked like a rough simulation or simulacrum of what they've been in previous years when they've been winning. On the other hand, Indianapolis look absolutely shot. Um, they're turning the ball over at a ferocious rate. Um, Matt Ryan had an interception and a fumble in this game. He's, I think he's fumbled nearly every game this season. And to be fair, he was being harassed by a, a really good Tennessee defensive line, but the defensive line was doing its real work in the run game. John and Taylor had 20 carries for 42 yards. Ouch, that's not going to really work. And the only thing that really worked for the Indianapolis offense was the uh, tight end outlets, Ali Cox and... Uh, and uh, Jelani Woods looked okay. Um, but like their defense isn't really where they need to be to be winning these types of games. And yeah, just another ugly loss for Indianapolis. And there's already rumors that the uh, head coach is uh, on the hot seat with the owner. Next up, Miami at Cincinnati as we move into the prime time slate of games that were a little bit underwhelming. Um, 15 to 27 win for Cincinnati. Um, obviously a, a very close first half, which was overshadowed by the uh, Tua injury that we've talked about previously. Um, but in the second half, Cincinnati slowly pulled away uh, thanks to Burrow uh, being much more effective in this game. 290 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the offensive line prevented him from getting sacked too much. He got sacked once in this game and hit a couple of other times. And you started to see the return of the explosive plays to T. Higgins, who had 124 yards and, and chase. So I think it didn't look perfect. There's still a lot of work to do, but you're seeing it slowly maybe mold into whatever the next version of this offense will be. And with Joe Burrow there, who's such a quick, uh, quick learner, um, you could... I'm confident that that will continue to grow. On the other hand, uh, although the, the run game ideally would get going as well, uh, that was mediocre again. Teddy uh, coming in for Tua, under 92 yards and a touchdown interception. Like, he was okay, but I think the big thing for Miami is they had a bunch of chances this game to, to pull ahead or at least uh, keep this game competitive, but they were only one and three in the red zone. They made a few other mistakes throughout this game, like, like the turnovers, and one from, uh, one from um, Tua as well as, as Teddy. So this is a game that Miami could have won, but given the circumstances with Tua, I don't necessarily blame them for not wiping out the races in the second half and letting Cincinnati get a big win for them. Next up, Kansas City at Tampa Bay, 41 to 31. Kansas City raced out to a 21 to 3 lead. Uh, they made the, you know, they, they avoided the mistake of going 28-3, um, so that's why they were able to beat Tom Brady. Um, but Mahomes early in this game was absolutely magical, including a ridiculous play um, where he got to uh, got out of two tackles, and then just like when he took maybe go towards the corner or get stopped doinks it over to CEH in the pass game and absolutely everyone's like Patrick Mahomes that sometimes that shit happens and I think there's like a, a photo going around of him like literally like having his tongue out going oh this is going to be good uh, but overall outside of a late interception which uh, kind of somewhat made Tampa Bay have hope um, they, they basically exploited um, some early mistakes for Tampa Bay and just raced that and made this a non-contest I think for Kansas City, the run game was pretty good. I think that's a good thing to see with CH and Pacheco both being effective with over 150 yards combined. And they just kept the core score ticking away and Tampa Bay were kept at bay. I think if you're a Tampa Bay fan, at least the offense looks back to its normal self. Brady had 355 yards and three touchdowns trying to cut the deficit over time. Um, with Evans back, with Godwin back, it just looked like it's it, it's normal self. But I think, you know, the defense, which has been so strong for them, thoroughly routed for the early uh, stands of this game. So, uh, you know, some questions there, I suppose, going forward. Uh, but at least it would be somewhat interesting to watch. Next up, the Rams at San Francisco. Uh, Monday Night Football, 9-24. The hoodoo of Shanahan over McVeigh comes back with a vengeance as 
Uh, Hufanga picked six, seals the uh, San Francisco win. The defense did a lot of the work here. They had two turnovers, seven sacks, nine tackles for a loss. They were just absolutely getting up in Stafford's face all day, who had two turnovers in this game. Obviously a worrying trend for this offense overall. Um, to be fair, the offensive line was somewhat makeshift, but that's also true of San Francisco, so not much excuses. But like outside of Cup and Higby, nothing's really working with this offense the first four weeks, and you definitely have to be concerned that maybe you know maybe getting OBJ on the phone or something to get this going. On the other hand, unlike last week, Jimmy G cut out the mistakes, 239 yards and touchdown. Um, he got the ball into Debo's hands early, and he took care of the rest with his you know absolute ridiculous yards after the catch style, including that first touchdown Debo had, which was you know absolutely ridiculous. And maybe if the uh, Rams were as effective at tackling Debo as they were at tackling um, field invaders, perhaps this uh, uh, wouldn't have been a problem, but unfortunately uh, Debo had his way with them and the rush game with Wilson was also pretty effective. So look, it wasn't a dominant win. I think the score flattered San Francisco a little bit, but it was a win that San Francisco deserved overall. And this defense is looking very scary for San Francisco. It's something to keep an eye on. And this could, like, you know, they even shut down Geno Smith recently. So um, it's something um, that this could make really be a complete and possible championship level team, even with Jimmy G at the, in the saddle. Next up, getting into the less interesting games, let's be honest, Denver at Las Vegas. Las Vegas get off the shine with a win after losing the first three weeks. And they grounded out thanks to Josh Jacobs having 175 yards and two touchdowns. Adams also had over 100 yards, despite the fact that the uh, the rookie cornerback had some decent in early innings, but eventually was overwhelmed by Adams in one and one um, Denver, the defense was poor. The offense was worse. They had a fumble six from Melvin Gordon, which was referenced earlier. That's definitely an issue in terms of him getting more playtime with Javante Williams out. And their second half was just a disaster. Like, their first four drives cumulatively got eight yards. So, you know, Russ, he was a little bit better in the first half. He got three touchdowns, including a rushing one. But, you know, they disappeared for an entire half. So you can't give them too much credit, let's be honest. And this is against a team that had zero wins. So, yeah, both of these teams, I think the big thing they need is just some consistency because they have too many moments where they just stop doing things for, for long periods of time. Next up, Chicago at the Giants, 12-20. Saquon basically single-handedly wins this game for the Giants, 152 yards, including, as you mentioned, some wildcat action um, with both uh, Daniel Jones and Tyrod had injuries. And look, it was a very rainy day, and obviously neither of these are pass-force offenses to begin with, but yeah, Saquon is absolutely having a breakout season, well, the second breakout season, I suppose, and is absolutely killing it, and the defense of the Giants is looking pretty effective as well. Uh, three turnovers, six sacks, six tackles for a loss, albeit against Justin Fields, who you know has a lot of turnovers and stuff overall. Um, the Chicago offense at least had some pass, deep passes. That's progress, I suppose. And uh, the, the rushing game wasn't as good, so it really balances out overall, but like, yeah, the numbers probably look better even. Like, it still doesn't make any sense for Chicago. We'll see if they can grow anything from this, but uh, I'm not really too uh, happy. And considering that the head coach, ha like the head coach, Averflus kept going for uh, field goals deep in the red zone, that probably gives you an idea of where they feel they are in terms of consistency on the offense. Next up, Arizona-Carolina, 26-16, a terrible game. Arizona were awful for the first half. They had like a big six early on, but you know they eventually overcome the fact that they're terrible because Carolina are, are more terrible. Um, and Kyler kind of found his feet and got two tu three touchdowns eventually in this game uh, as the defense just had its way with Baker who just looked absolutely lost he you know he, he was at least passing to CMC and DJ Moore but you know it still wasn't great or good at all he had uh, three turnovers in this game and yeah Carolina you know the calls for Sam Darnold to come back in he, although he's still injured at the moment not a great sign let's be honest uh, they just feel like they're going towards the toilet Matt Rude's going to get fired sooner rather later Arizona they're equally dumb, but they're a bit more talented. At least they have some idea what they're doing, because Kyler Murray just do dumb stuff. Kyler Murray is a plan, I suppose. Um, so Arizona get a win, go to 2-2 two and two alongside the rest of the NFC West. 
Chargers at Houston, 34 to 24, a game which the Chargers were definitely, they were like, Ooh, maybe we could just charge at this game after going up 27 to seven. But eventually they put away the game uh, in the middle of the fourth quarter. Um, uh, you know, thanks to, to, you know, they had some fumbles and just stopped playing for the first part of the second half. But overall, Herbert looked better. He looks a bit healthier, two touchdowns, 340 yards. Eckler finally had a breakout game, 109 yards and three touchdowns. Williams had over 100 yards. So overall, the offense was able to feast on a Houston defense, which I thought was actually okay in previous weeks, but this week just got absolutely hammered. Um, the offense was leaning on Damian Pierce, who seems to be growing into be the breakout rookie of this year. 139 yards, a touchdown. Uh, that includes a 75-yard scamper that kind of boosted the potential charging chances. Uh, but Mills, again, quite poor. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. I'm not really sure he's the future there. And finally, Washington at Dallas, 10 to 25. I said last week we're all off the Washington train, and so it proved to be when they absolutely just basically gave up as Cooper Rush just showed up. Two touchdowns, over 200 yards. He was just fine. Found CD Lamb for nearly 100 yards and touchdown. Elliott was pretty good in the past game. But Washington is bad in all the different ways, and Wentz is just making way too many mistakes with two interceptions in this game, albeit a touchdown early on. Yeah, and the Dallas defense looks like a genuinely um, game-changing unit at the moment. Uh, two interceptions, uh, two sacks, six seconds for a loss. Yeah, Washington just bad and a very solid Dallas organization that's coming together. Just too much for them. Um, so yeah, that's uh, the dump off this week. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, so let's have a look at the games for next week. Uh, first up, we have Thursday Night Football. This is Indianapolis at Denver. Ugh. Uh... <laughs> Like, in theory, this should be, you know, as I said, Indianapolis, their head, their head coach is on the hot seat. There's reports coming out that the owner is very uh, sad there. Denver, obviously, really tough start despite the 2-2 two two record uh, for the head coach with all these mistakes and, and just terrible-looking play. Um, and obviously, just a lot of intrigue there with two veteran quarterbacks trying to, you know, you have, you have two head coaches trying to figure it out, two veteran quarterbacks who could potentially carry them. That's what veteran quarterbacks are supposed to do. And yet, I just can't be interested in this game because both these no. teams are incredibly difficult to watch and I don't really care who wins so I've gone for Denver you've gone for Denver and Sean's gone for Indianapolis yeah. but like this, this is just going to be an awful Thursday night football I'm just like look Denver at home Indianapolis are probably down their best offensive weapon like I just, bring, I just don't care like, bring back Jags at Tennessee <laughs> yeah Jesus <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up uh, next, next up is a London game Giants at Green Bay uh, Giants at Green Bay at Tottenham or whatever like but, um, yeah, we've gone for Green Bay across the board on this one. Like, look, the Giants have, have, have looked improved. They've got the run game going. We've mentioned that Aaron Rodgers has not been looking great of late. Um, the offense hasn't really been clicking. But I suppose the Giants' defense hasn't really been the, the, the game changer for them. So we'll see how this how this Green Bay defense hands, ha, holds up against the, let's be frank, the, the, the Giants' uh, running attack. Because the passing attack is not up to a wild pile and might be on to its third quarterback uh, for this game as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, if if Jones plays, I guess the Giants have more of a chance, but their Green Bay defense is good enough to handle anything the Giants throw at them, and then Rodgers will have enough to get the points on the board. I mean, the Packers are struggling against teams a lot better than the Giants, but I think they should be comfortable enough against them. Yeah, I, I kind of said my piece in Green Bay already where I'm like, there's Two and like there's kind of interpretations of where they are. Are they just figuring it out and they'll get better as the year goes on, or are they just actually bad uh, in the post Devonte Adams scenario? But I think yeah, they're gonna be a better they're gonna be a better team. I think overall than the Giants. And if there's a quarterback situation here, if you got Davis Webb out there, then that's obviously a huge negative to the Giants. So with an uncertainty, yes, they have Saquon and the defense looks improved for the Giants. They like Green Bay. We've shown that they're quality enough that they can probably get it done here. 
Yeah. Uh, next up, Houston at Jacksonville. Going for Jacksonville across the board, Sean. Yeah, I mean, we talked. I talked about how much I, I like Jacksonville this season, and even in losing to the Eagles, that they, they, they look a lot better side than last year. Um, obviously, they've got to they've got to cut out the mistakes um, in terms of fumbles and such like. But you know, they're 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 a much better side than the Texans on both sides of the ball. The way they could, they played in the first few weeks, the Texans are you know they are they are whatever they they're the Houston Texans, the same team they've been for the last eighteen months, which is a whole pile of nothing. Um, hey, Damon yeah, Pierce hype. The, Damon Pierce hype. These are the kinds of games that last season the Jags struggled to, to get going, but they really should have enough talent and ability and confidence to get over this one. And so I think they still should be comfortable. Yeah. Next up is Ronan's pick of the week. The Chargers are traveling down to Cleveland to take on the Brownies. Um, me and Fitz have gone for the Chargers. Sean has gone for the Browns. Obviously, this is, you know, can Herbert get back on form? Tell us a bit about this one, Ronan. Yeah, so like this is obviously an interesting game in kind of multiple aspects. Obviously, kind of contrasting fortunes so far this year. Obviously, the Chargers have gone through a lot. It feels like in in the only the four weeks that have happened at this year with the Herbert injury and the up and down play and Keenan Allen not playing and the the defense having issues with uh, Joey Bosa and stuff like that. So, yeah, very interesting times for the Chargers and the Cleveland. Obviously are trying as hard as possible to kind of be boring each week. Obviously, with a very vanilla run the ball with Nick Chubb until he falls over, bringing Kareem Hunt then, just have Jacoby Brissett do the occasional play type of thing. Um, but obviously, the the subtext of what's happening in Cleveland with the whole Deshaun Watson situation means that they're getting a lot of attention, and it's not helped by the fact that they're blowing games against teams like the Jets late, and then obviously they're losing to the teams in Atlanta close as well. So I think for the Chargers, the big thing is that like Herbert looked a lot better last week, and I think they're hoping that hopefully that the you know recovering from the rib injury he had as he plays seems to be going okay for now. That could obviously change if Miles Garrett or Jadavion Clowney come back in this game and start hitting him a lot, but uh, at least there's promise there. I think the big thing is that Austin Eckler finally had a, a breakout game, particularly in the passing attack. It was just really frustrating and unusual that he wasn't being used uh, as a playmaker for the first three weeks of the season. So if they can get him back involved, that'll make a huge difference. And there's a chance Keenan Allen might be back for this game as well, which is obviously another huge fill-up for this offense. So I think that's why I'm picking the charge. I think, like, yes, there's a lot of question marks right now, but I think if all those things come back into play, then I trust that their uh, offense can be the explosive unit that we expect from the Chargers with Justin Herbert at the wheel. Um, on the other hand, why you would favor Cleveland, and I think it's a fair pick from Sean, is, uh, you know, we're probably picking the Chargers, just to say, Connor, and uh, Sean's picking Cleveland. I think the biggest issue for them um, is that the run defense while not as bad as last year where it was truly like historically bad is still not fixed it's still an issue and we obviously know that cleveland have one of the best running attacks in the league nick chubb is having a you know offensive player of the year type um season maybe even mvp if geno smith's getting consideration i suppose um and you know i think he will have what he eats so it'll all come down to which jacoby Brissett do we see in this game of the offense do we see the guy who's been solid who makes plays who's got amari cooper involved and kind of kept the offense ticking over or is it the guy we've seen uh where he just freezes up where he's put into a tough situation as the chargers ahead and then throws boneheaded interceptions that just like don't give them a chance to it's right cleveland their path to victory is clear they either run the ball control the game and stay ahead of the chargers but if the chargers get ahead in this game i just i don't see the right back for cleveland uh, to get back at them um even if the run defense is, is fairly effective so i think we all believe yeah. the chargers are a more talented team and they can get it done here uh, but cleveland certainly have a chance with the run game yeah and the yeah no that this is just my this is my concern is that the chargers are They've had the season they're having. They're they're having a very Charger season where they're not converting their talent into 
into wins. They're they're going to be traveling across the country. The Browns are you know solid run team, and they seem to be eking out wins in games. I mean, it just kind of feels like this could be one of those charges stuck in the mud games where they don't really do anything um, all that spectacular, and they end up. Yeah. yeah, they end up falling short against a, a mediocre, uh, talented team. Could do, could do. I, I, I'd imagine they'll, they'll, you know, they, they like to keep their fans heartbreak until later on the season, so they'll win a few ones before they'll uh, completely crush them. <laughs> Next up, Atlanta, Tampa Bay. We've got for Tampa Bay across the board here. This could be closer than you'd expect. Um, like a lot of the points that Tampa Bay got from the last game, from the game against Kansas, was when they were behind by three scores and they were playing pretty soft defense so i'm not sure it's indicative of what their offense will look like but he gets more pieces back so we kind of got a side with them atlanta as we said are down their main running back so we'll just like see what they look like you should expect tampa bay to clean this one up uh, against kind of a confusing atlanta team but they can also just surprise you and turn it on so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that one goes you should get a couple of interesting bits and pieces out of it pittsburgh at buffalo we've gone for buffalo across the board like I think this is just worth a very quick conversation because on the face of this, this should be a no contest. Buffalo will knock the seven shades of shite out of them kind of game. Does Pickett coming back mean, or Pickett starting for them mean anything? Does that change this game considerably? Like, this is a Buffalo team that's meant to be contender contenders. Like, I think it gives them more of a shot based on what I saw. Like, at least Pickett was trying things. He was willing to take a few risks and be explosive. And if you're going to play against Buffalo, you have to score points. Um, so that's something. But, like, that changes it from, like, a you know a 1 in 10 chance to, like, a 1 in 8 chance or something like that. It's still a game that Buffalo are deservedly deserve, deserve to be the favourites for. Josh Allen is playing well. I think the only risk for them is, like, we saw Josh Allen be bamboozled a bit. Um, against Miami and we know that you know the coaching in theory for Pittsburgh can pick up on that and they could do something similar but the actual what we've seen on the field from the Pittsburgh defense has been pretty pathetic um, particularly in the run game so it'll be interesting to see if Buffalo choose to lean into that get more Singletary involved and uh, dominate that way but it's very hard to see how Pittsburgh can get this done unless Pickett turns out to be um, more accurate this week yeah um, yeah like I, I, I don't really see it Chicago and Minnesota uh, like Chicago have just looked very, very bad. Minnesota... They're bad. Like, They're just bad. <laughs> yeah, like Minnesota Minnesota looked a little bit better. Like, than the, they did, the, Minnesota a bit more down to earth and maybe they're tired coming back from London. But, like, does Chicago have yeah. a chance going? Like, like, you know, it's the NFL, everyone has a chance. But based on everything we know, Minnesota, they have Justin Jefferson going, finally, uh, again. The Dalvin Cook... You know, he's not quite where he is because of the injury, but he's solid enough. And, like, look, Chicago might make this close, but they just lack any passing game. So unless they can literally rush the ball for 200 yards, I just don't see any way they can win this game. Minnesota, look, I know we're not the biggest fans of them on this podcast, but they've been solid this year, and I think they're yeah. definitely improved from where they were last year. So I'd give them the win over Chicago right now. No, of course. Start if Micah Trayon picks up next. Uh, Miami at the Jets. I've gone for the Jets. You boys have gone for Miami. Sean, you're not excited for the Zach attack. You trust in Teddy Two Gloves? Um, I, I trust that the Dolphins are a better team than the Jets are. I mean, I, I, I do, I do have a soft spot for the Jets. That they're they're fun to watch, and they, they, they you know, they they really are a, a team that fights for their coach. And that when they get into close games, you can definitely see that. But they, they're not a good team. They they have very few genuinely talented players. And Zach Wilson is, he's so so. I mean, he, he have. It's difficult to even name when he had a really good game. He's had a few good games, but he hasn't really had a standout. Versus a Dolphins team that started quite strongly, 
Um, obviously, with the loss of Tua, that the the offense will drop off a little bit. But I mean, Teddy was fine. I think against the Bengals, I thought he, I thought he stepped in and had a few nice throws. I think with, with when you have receivers like Waddle and Hill, it's it's very easy to look like a good quarterback. And Teddy's solid, reliable. He's he's as backups go, he's a good one to have. So I mean, I think the way the Dolphins have started this season offensively, I think their defense is probably going to be strong enough as well to stop the Jets. The Jets have some holes. Their defense had had a decent game, but you know you, you don't necessarily trust it. I just don't see uh, in the comparison. I just don't see what part of the field the Jets are better than the Dolphins. So therefore, I think the Dolphins have to take this. Uh, one. Uh, I've gone for the Jets here. Just one, they're home to win division. I think they're better with Wilson back in the lineup. I think they're starting to get a few things clicking, and I just I never have and never will trust in Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I, I, I think I think knowing that he's going to be the quarterback coming in, you can scheme around the deficiencies in his pass game. Uh, so I think they might have a slightly better shot at it that way. Next up is Sean's pick of the week because Sean loves pain. Detroit at New England. <laughs> uh, we've gone for Detroit uh, across the board. It's finally gonna, finally it's scoring the- 35 points will be enough. Yeah, this is going to be one of those weird kind of warp games where the, the the Lions want to have a high-scoring game, but the Pats just aren't capable of it, and they want to have a low-scoring game. So it'll be interesting to see which kind of game comes out of it because the obviously this is going to be strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness. You've got a very strong uh, Lions offense against a, a Belichick-run New England defense. On the other side, you've got a New England offense that hasn't quite hit the, the cylinders fully this season versus the Detroit Lions. The Lions defense looks historically bad. Um, so I think it's an interesting matchup in terms of that. That that I, It could turn into any game whatsoever. It could turn into a standard New England game where it ends like 24-20, or it could turn into a shooting fest where we finally see what Zappi uh, is capable of and, and people start talking about him as the next Tom Brady. Um, I, I would edge the Lions just because I think they do, or they are a little bit more explosive. Um, I mean, even... I mean, in, in terms of the, the personnel that they have on the on the offensive side, they they are they have a few more game winners, as it were, and even Goff is capable of having a, a big game. And I just don't think that the Pats offensively have enough to properly exploit the Lions' defense to compensate. I think that the Pats will probably still end up scoring something like 28, 30 points, which for this offense is quite good. But I do see, I do see that Lions' offense as being the strongest unit in this game, and I think that's going to be the difference. Yeah, and uh, Garrett Gilbert has been technically signed to the practice squad, so maybe we'll see him at the quarterback position for uh, New England. But like, I think, like, look, this is a game that I really want Detroit to win, so even though New England have a chance because that run game has been really effective and we all the Rashad Penny just gash them, so I, I'm not, I think New England definitely have a chance, but I want Detroit to win, so I'm happy to pick them this week, to be honest. Yeah, no, uh, here's hoping, here's hoping. Uh, Tennessee at Washington, we've gone for Tennessee across the board. Tennessee have returned to looking solid i suppose like uninspiring but solid um washington are just hot dog shit um like there's just there's very little to be cheering for in washington at the moment um so yeah we're gonna go for tennessee across the board on that one next up uh seattle at new orleans uh i'm going for seattle uh fitz and sean are going for new orleans yeah some games just kind of transcend analysis they're just kind of so 
dumb or or yeah basically dumb that they just it's very difficult to pick what's going to happen like Seattle obviously Geno Smith sometimes looked like the best quarterback in the league and the stats are really good and then sometimes he throws dumb interceptions and he just and then the offense disappears for a half New Orleans have a really good run defense so I don't expect them to be gashed as Rashad Penny was by like Detroit and New Orleans in theory with Andy Dalton look pretty solid and they seem to be putting something things together so honestly this game could go either way both these teams are very ramshackle right now so hopefully at least it's just fun yeah, yeah, it's uh, I go with Seattle just because like New Orleans is just so hard to figure out at the moment. We don't know what quarterback is going to be in there. Uh, they're coming back from a very, very big trip away, so that's why I kind of went inside yeah. Seattle to see if they can kind of keep some of this offensive the, the, excitement going. But yeah, unreliable New Orleans versus the notably reliable <clears throat> Geno Smith. Yeah, what's it? Uh, <laughs> the, the PFF's top rated quarterback, I believe. Mm. Um, MVP. MVP, because clearly wow. PFF know what the fuck they're talking about. Uh, hey, this Stop. truly is the darkest timeline. Yeah, it is. Uh, next up, Philly at Arizona. Uh, we've gone for Philly across the board. We've talked a little bit about like how good Philly have looked of late, how they're winning in spots as they should. Arizona have some of that fun, chaotic energy that can like weird shit can happen, but it is kind of just essentially have Kyler run around and see what he can see what he can do. This is a big Philadelphia defensive line who are going to get the hands up and keep batting down those little passes he keeps throwing so uh I yeah like I could see it I could see it being fun I can't I struggle to see the route for Arizona to win this really yeah like I, I kind of feel like this is, a, this is a game where Arizona should just like look at the Philly team and then go we should just do that because like <laughs> Kyler Murray in theory is a better version of Jalen Hurts. He's faster, he's more mobile, he's more explosive, he's more accurate down the field, but Jalen Hurts has a team around him with a really good offensive line, a really good defensive line, talented all levels, two amazing wide receivers, albeit I suppose Arizona have one technically uh, on the suspension list right now, and it all just makes sense and works from top to bottom, whereas Arizona is a chaotic mess where Kyler Murray you know, is more worried about his Call of Duty stats and the entire defense is terrible, and J.J. Watt is getting like, a, a, you know, is getting like a fibrilla- he's getting, like a fibrillator. He's getting shocked diff- during diff- the week to get his heart yeah. to beat properly again, yeah. You know, and the whole thing is just weird and insane. So Arizona always have a chance because they're insane, but Philly are a good team. So they have to, well, they, they're all, they have to be favoured in this game. And yeah, Philly just solid at all levels and they're just doing a really good job and they deserve to be 4-0, let's be honest. Why couldn't their fans be better though? <laughs> <laughs> you seem to take the batteries out of them, right? They are just, they are the most irritating fan base, I think. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Except Ian, you're great, Ian. Oh, Ian's, Ian's good, but no, just like, whenever you're down in the pub and there's a, just like, to, just sitting there hammered, just screaming, fly, eagles, fly, and you're like, relax, relax, lads, come on, chill. Um, but yeah, uh, next up, San Francisco with Carolina, Sean. Uh, we've gone for San Francisco across the board. Uh, they're talking about getting rid of, or not getting rid of, but I suppose with benching Baker, possibly. Uh, what do you think? I did call it. I did call it. I did say that was a thing that might happen. Mm. I did think he'd get maybe a little bit further the season before it happened. But, uh, yeah, it's not been good. This Carolina team, there are times last season where they looked like they might be putting something together under Matt Rule, but now it's like, no, this team is just really bad. And, yeah, if Baker may, if your op- next option on the table is Sam Darnold, I mean, it's not looking much better for them either. I just think in this game, the Niners are just a better team all around. I mean, they, they have issues in terms of the quarterback. We talk about Jimmy and then what he, what he can and cannot do. But, Otherwise, all the other parts of the, the the Niners game works really well. Their defense works well. Their their run game works well. They're they're excellently coached. Um, as long as you're not in the Super Bowl trying to preserve a lead, um, so yeah, I just can't see. 
I can't see a universe in which Matt Rule, you know, out out strategizes Shanahan. So, I, I was say, so and I, that's what he'll need to do to convert this talent differential into something. So I presume yeah. I presume you saw the beautiful stat that came out there uh, following the games in the weekend. So the Panthers are now one and twenty-six under Matt Rule when the opponent scores seventeen points or more, including <laughs> twenty-four losses in a row. So basically, the route to victory is somehow stopping the other team from scoring seventeen points, or they are pretty much always losing. Yeah, like the only way like Carolina win this game is if they I don't know it's like the idea of like you never argue with a fool because they'll drag you down to their level type of thing. Because uh, the only way the Carolina winning is this is a terrible game. So. Go San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, or just some, or just the, the wheels fall off with, uh, with 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 Garoppolo or something like that. Um, he all, he always has one or two games like that every year. But uh, yeah, I get, it's very hard to see the route that would make it a watchable game at the same time. Next up, Dallas at the Rams. Another one for just me. I'm on my own on a lot of picks this week. Um, I've gone for Dallas. You boys have gone for the Rams. Uh, so it's a fair Cooper- pick. Yeah, like Cooper Cooper Rush, four and zero as a starter, uh, looking to make it five and zero as a starter here. Uh, the Rams, I'm I'm not gonna lie, lads. <laughs> I think the Rams might be a bit shit um, at the moment. They, they, they might round into form a bit later on, but like yeah. they have they 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 have two targets on offense and that's it. They refuse to pass to anyone else. It's not really working. The defense hasn't been hitting the strides they want. This is a Dallas team where the defense has stepped up. The offense is doing pretty good. They got back Gallup. They're moving around the weapons a good bit. They've not got the run game going the way they want. Uh, they've had a couple of injuries to that line, but like they're winning games. Like we said, the Dallas Cowboys were were done after Dak went out, and Jesus, they've they, I think they've done better than our preseason predictions would have put them through the first four weeks. Yeah, like I think picking Dallas is a perfectly legitimate choice. Their defense has been absolutely uh, ferocious, especially Micah Parsons, but the other guys have stepped up like Armstrong and Lawrence. And Gallimore, they've all looked really effective, probably helped by the fact that they have someone like Parsons taking attention away. Um, obviously, the Rams' offense has not been particularly effective. The run game hasn't got going. Cup is the entirety of the offense outside of some passes to Higby, the tight end. And Dallas's offense has been, you know, it's not been spectacular. It's like getting 20 points a game or so, but it's been effective and mistake-free. So I think this is just a, it's a classic, you know, form versus uh, class, like ter- territory. Like, I think the Rams are a more talented team. Uh, from the back end, they have more superstars like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Um, they obviously, they have Matt Stafford, who's obviously just coming up and winning a Super Bowl. So even though the Rams... Like I perfectly legitimate against the pick them. I'm, I'm gonna just trust that they can get it done at home and get out a win against a team that you know they're winning, but they're not winning like you know with 30, 40 points. They're winning with twenty points. The Rams just need to get over that hump, and they they could win this game still. Yeah, yeah. My read on the Rams is that they're they're flat track bullies, right? They're gonna beat bad and mediocre teams, but they don't seem to have any kind of ability to beat good teams this year. Which they had a little bit of problem last year as well until they till the playoffs where they got on on that run. Um, I think yeah. I mean Stafford is having a very poor season. Um, they're they're not quite clicking in terms of the converting the immensity of talent they have into to a working system, but I think they're better than a Cooper Rush led Cowboys. I know people are like, "Oh, Cooper Rush is great." They haven't actually looked all that good offensively. It's just so happened that the defense has been good enough that they haven't needed to. I I think the Rams offense probably has just too much to that they can that Cowboys could rely entirely on their defense to win this game, um, and so I, I just can't see how the Cowboys are going to score enough points to win. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. 
Dallas all the way, baby. Uh, Cincinnati at Baltimore this is my pick of the week. Uh, I've got for Cincinnati. You guys have gone for Baltimore. I'm either getting right back up to the top of the picks, or I'm falling completely out of contention. This, this, this one is the most legitimate of, of your of your deviations. This is one is the one I could definitely see the most. As if that makes sense. Yeah. Sean has Sean has ranked your deviations. <laughs> <laughs> the Jets won. Forget about it. But since he beating Baltimore, I can see it happening. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I've, what, this, this is an interesting one. So obviously Cincinnati need to protect Burrow, make sure he has his time to, to get through his reads. They've looked much better the last two weeks on offense. Their defense has been putting together some good stuff of late. Uh, my question is basically, can this, one, can this Baltimore defense defend a lead if they can get up to one? But then also, like, essentially, can... Can this offense keep its foot on the gas? Like Cincinnati showed in particularly the tail end of last year, what they were very good at was coming out, adjusting at halftime, and then kind of figuring stuff out in the second half. What Baltimore have shown so far this season is they do not have a fucking clue what to do at halftime and come out and start to lose, particularly to AFC rivals. This is a, not just an in-conference, but an in-division game. Cincinnati went in there last year and beat the living shit out of them. Uh, I think it's a, another chance for them to make a statement game in that spot. I think they match up pretty well with what the guys have. Um, what Cincy need to do if they want to win this is get their run game going properly so that they can take mm. a little bit more pressure out of, off of Burrow. Um yeah, like I, I can 100% see how Baltimore can win this. I got it going on previous form against each other, and uh, the fact that actually I think Baltimore are not. I think I think Lamar is playing phenomenally, but I don't think as an overall top to bottom entity, uh, Baltimore are as terrifying as we would have maybe thought they were coming into here. But like, I, I, I can completely see why you boys are, are, are taking Baltimore in this one. Yeah, I think it's a game where both teams would love to be able to run the ball. I mm. think both of them have been disappointing in that aspect of their games. I think it's definitely been an issue for both of them when holding on to a lead, particularly Baltimore, but also in short short yardage situations. Like Cincinnati, despite getting the win against Miami, were getting stuffed on third and shorts all game. So significant issues there. But like I think obviously, you know, that that's okay, boring football stuff, but obviously this will probably come down to a QB battle here as Joe Burrow finally getting some protection the last couple of weeks from his offensive line, um, facing Lamar Jackson, who's been on fire for the first part of the season, an early MVP uh, leader, despite the losses stacking up because of the defense falling away and himself not really kind of picking up in the second half, as you said. Um, so I think There's both these zero teams... Zero points in the second half last week. Yeah, too fair in, in tough conditions. So like, and, you know, in a situation where they're trying to... So like, I think... Obviously, I think if I was just taking a quarterback alone, I would probably take Joe Burrow over Lamar, even despite all that kind of stuff, because I think Joe Burrow has shown the ability to deal with even more um, adversity than Lamar has really ever had to deal with. Um, but I think Baltimore, I like John Harbaugh, I definitely trust them over the other head coach on the other side of it. I know he was in the Super Bowl last year, but John Harbaugh is a better coach objectively. Um, but it's just, yeah, both these teams are kind of weird right now, and there definitely might be a sliding doors moment here where Cincinnati, after their early couple of weeks being terrible, like move up and Baltimore flattered to deceive by being involved in lots of exciting games because Lamar was going, you know, apeshit on everyone. But uh, look, I'm willing to give Baltimore a chance here to establish, uh, you know, uh, some dominance over the traditional rival here in the division. Yeah, yeah my, my read on this game is that the Bengals are kind of in a weird team this year in the sense that last year they were kind of a momentum comeback, destroy you in the second half of that team. This season it's been the games they've won of the games they've started quickly. And they haven't won the games where they haven't started quickly. And now the Ravens are experts, as we've seen this season, in having a really strong first half. So you'd wonder if this gets to a situation where if the Ravens are up 10, 14 points at halftime, that the Bengals just, they don't seem to have the momentum thing that they had last season to, to pull it back. 
Um, and I, I mean, I just, I don't, I, 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 it was a good win against the Dolphins. I'll, I'll give that to the Bengals that they did begin to look together and their the O line is, is, is beginning to gel. But I still think it's a little bit too soon for this team. I still think they're trying to figure out the next evolution of this Bengals team, and I don't think they're quite there yet. Whereas the Ravens know how to win, they just also they don't know how to hold on to leads once they've got the the win going. Um, and I mean, yeah. If the if the Ravens get up big and have an, another collapse, then you can write their entire season off. This is a very big game for the Ravens psychologically, especially given as as you said, Connor, they had the big defeat last season where the the, the Bengals absolutely torched them. And um, so I I think and they're divisional rivals, so they know each other very well. I know Harbaugh will come with a plan to exploit the weaknesses, and I think they'll just have enough to hold on. Um, because I I can't see the Ravens having another collapse. I just I just it would be inconceivable that they could be that careless. That's the line. Uh, I don't think that means what you think it means. Uh, <laughs> uh, Las Vegas and Kansas City is the last game. That's Monday Night Football. Uh, we've gone for KC across the board here. Kansas City have looked very good of late, really been getting the running game going. The defense line in particular has started to pick up, although there are weaknesses on that secondary as they wait for some pieces to come back, like McDuffie. Um, that's obviously going to be an issue given Las Vegas have a superstar wide receiver now. But the question is... Are they? Is Derek Carr going to be able to actually get the job done? He's looked a bit up and down this season so far. The whole, the whole new offense thing—it seems to be taking a while to, to to bed in. There's been a lot of comments out there, uh, including from a superstar wide receiver, about how difficult the cadence and the structures of the offensive system that they are currently installing there are so like they, they, it's one of those ones that it could it could turn on a dime and if it starts to click in practice for them that they could start to look a lot slicker um at the moment on current form i wouldn't be able to to see the way that vegas kind of pull this one off apart from i imagine it won't be too big a gap given i i don't think that i think the casey defense will be able to cause him hassle uh at, at the line and causing pressure i think if he can survive the two two and a half seconds he will be able to dice up the secondary at the moment with uh with with how they're running um but i don't think he'll be able to keep pace is the problem so i'm gonna go for casey in that one um but again look it's a Big under the lights Monday Night Football. This is the game that the Raiders won last year, celebrated by driving around our um, our stadium in a bus, and then proceeded to, uh, to 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 lose their next one to us and get knocked out very quickly. So, like they 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 come and this is this is their mini Super Bowl every year. So like yeah, they will come with everything they have. So expect fireworks. But I I still think KC. Yeah, KC are better. <laughs> Yes, yeah. the, the Raiders are not good. Yes. Well, they're getting more. They're getting bits like Jacob looked good last week, and they're starting to get a few more bits and pieces working together. But yeah, I just, I'm not. I'm not seeing it just like, yet. I'm not saying they don't have a chance, Connor. Like, it, like your analysis is fine, but KC should be favored, and they are favored. And we're all picking them for a good. Oh week. yeah, yeah. No, no, of course. Um, I suppose any 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 plans or crack for the weekend with yourselves, lads? Uh, gotta get used to the chaos that is about to be. Oh yes, yes, yes sure. that's only tomorrow. I kind of forgot how quickly. Tomorrow that is. lunchtime, yeah, yeah. Exciting so, uh, times. Bye. Yes, uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I don't. I really don't know what to expect at all. But yeah, we'll ah, it's good fun. It's gonna be. Uh, it'll be a bit surprised initially, but yeah, it's it's, it's good fun. I must say, I kind of got used to having our fella. We've only had him about six or seven months now. Six, yeah, so coming up on seven months. But yeah, it's uh, it's good fun. But it's yourself, uh, Fitz. Well, well, I'm looking forward to Sean inevitably taking the side of the cat in the civil war that's going to emerge there. But 
that's true. That's uh, true. <laughs> no, no, nothing too exciting for myself. Uh, fortunately, it's just the uh, yeah middle of uh, October. I've got some plans for the later later in the month, but uh, this weekend gonna pretty keep it pretty quiet. Mm. Just watch on Red Zone. Yeah, I think I get a bit of D and D and a bit of uh, a bit of insulating upstairs to do, and then uh, as the winter is coming in, we've realised we need to get one of our radiators replaced as well. So uh, the joys of trying to keep yourself warm uh, is. Uh, that's pretty much what we're up to. And then uh, going to go camping next week. So that should be good fun. Uh, you know, get the house nice and toasty and then go outside and live in a tent for a few days. Or you're preparing yourself for not having the heating done. Like you're like, are you are you already like <laughs> subliminally going, actually, I'm not going to do that thing. I'm not going to uh, put in insulation at all. Oh, we survived so last year without it, you know. Um, but yeah, well, you had all the sticks last year. So I don't know what's going to It's true. It's true. Uh, I, have, I have lit the fire once already this year, though. Um, but we also haven't turned on the central heating yet. So we've done, we've done fairly good pretty good on balance but yeah um no that's most of the crack here so i suppose as always uh, dropping questions up to us on the facebook page or on the email but uh for now it's uh bye from myself bye from ronan bye bye from sean bye this has been all for quarters thanks for listening we'll chat to you next week